You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. episode we'll be talking about Holger Shuke movies. On the line I have Rob. Howdy howdy. Ben. Cool. And Kyle. In the pool. Movies is the second album by Holger Shuke released in 1979 through Electrola Records. The producer was the artist and the genre is art rock, kraut rock, uh, psychedelic rock, and electronic. And I'm going to read from the book Pat Long. Best known as the bassist and producer for the visionary German rock pioneers can, Holger Suke retreated to his home in Cologne after the band split in 1978 and found an outlet in playing his bass along with the television, improvising film scores for his amusement. The roots of his first post-Can solo album, Movies, lay in this approach to music making. Unsurprisingly, the four pieces have a track-like quality, combining Suke's Sinuous bass and whispered vocals with washes of synthesizer and lifting African rhythms provided by percussionist Kwako Ba. Movies was also assembled like a film, pieced together from different segments of various takes into a unified whole. The other major influence of Suke's career was avant-garde composer Karlheinz Stockhausen, under who Zuke had studied between 1963 and 1968. Movies continued Can's work marrying progressive rock to electronic textures and tape loops, inspired by Stockhausen's music concrete techniques. It was also an early experiment in sampling, utilizing media samples, culminated over months of channel surfing and random radio listens, Persian Love, for example, contains clips of Iranian singer recorded from radio that Suke discovered by chance. Movies is languid and often lighthearted record typified by the playful Cool in the Pool. This synthesis of experimental art rock with frothy pop textures set the tone for Suke's solo albums. All right, what do we think of Holger Suke movies? Is it cool? In the pool, I think it's cool. It's very cool. It's pee cool. Yeah, I, I didn't know what the hell to expect with this record, and uh, I'm very, very happy that I can say I did not expect this. <laughs> not in the least bit. Man, when he drops that chipmunk voice and cool in the pool, and like the second half of it, mm-hmm. that's where you got me. <laughs> chipmunk voice done. <laughs> I also just really like yeah, the, I, I like the German accent with the words cool and pool. 
It's pretty nice. So, yeah, I so worked with you guys when you did the can. The can was it just one can record? Two can we records? We did two. We did Tagomago and Future Days. Yeah. Yeah. I um I listened to this record uh, a few times and I, I went and listened to some can onto it. I love this stuff. Um the tape loop stuff in the seventies is like I'm super into it. I was hooked from the first song. I was not hooked. The first song, it was opposite. I had the opposite reaction. You guys know how I am on goofs, and it felt very goofy. <laughs> You're not, not a fan mm. of the goof. I was, I was instantly like, oh, I don't know about this. I don't know where this is going. And then <laughs> somehow he, I was like, all right, I see what he's doing. It's a little Zappa. It's a little, you know, it's getting into there. And then it shifts. I mean, it kind of plays out like a like a movie. I mean, like the title would describe. And by the second track, I thought, okay, I see what's going on here. It's a little more compelling. It's not just a, a sort of a, a silly cool in the pool song. It it has a little more textures. It's it's taking these snippets from radio, playing alongside them. It, it, it yeah, it really got to me. After that, the sort of composition, what he was creating, it felt very, very interesting. And for an album like this, do you think that Holger has to pay royalties for the radio snippets he's using? Probably not at the time. Hmm. Yeah, I think this was a time. Not until after Paul's Boutique. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Yeah, after Low End Theory. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's what I think with the hell. I thought this was pretty cool. I didn't have as much time this week to to really delve into my listening homework as I do other weeks. So I'm really I'm only like two listens into this one, and I want to listen to it more. But there's there's parts of it that that I really like. There's parts of it that kind of like right now fade in the back into the background for me. But I'm sure with a peer, uh, repeated listens would uh would show themselves. But uh, I was. Surprised, pleasantly surprised to see that everyone on this record is either a member of Can or has played with Can on Can albums. Uh, you know, I, I'm biased, but I think my favorite part of the Can albums was uh, just that hypnotically rhythmic and funky and middle-millist drumming. And uh, what's it? Uh, uh, Yaki? Liebzeit? Or yep. Lebzeit? Uh, he plays drums on this record, and I think some of the rhythms, uh, especially like uh, in the last track, Hollywood Symphony, that groove that it just kicks off with is like that had me from 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 the first. I, I love uh, Holger's stuff too, but uh, I'm I'm a sucker for those can drums, and this album has those. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that that's what continues this this. Uh this album it, what makes it so interesting like i was saying i wasn't so first song threw me for a loop at the second song comes on you know instant you recognize the drumming the the mm-hmm. it carries you through the the album you know that yeah. that the rhythms that can produce always sort of carried me through um the entire album no matter what they were playing you could always count on that solid solid tasty drumming yeah Almost gives like a hypnotic quality up at, at times. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, the longer songs, I this is going to go on forever. Like looking at the time, but then I just I get sucked in. Like you said, hypnotic. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Birch, like you said, is it's kind of like a movie score. 
it's just the longer the songs went on, like the more into them I got into the headspace. Uh, and you know, I, I got to marvel like at these several thousand edits that are made to like physical tape that's wrapping around a studio, like impressive to me and so cool. Yeah. And I was like hanging out in there and getting some ideas, you know, it's, I don't know. I, I, I like this record a whole bunch. I'm, I wish I was there with you guys to listen to Can, but I'm definitely going to check that out probably over the next couple weeks. I know yeah. that Holger was the bass player of Can kind of by default because like the other uh, instruments had been claimed and they still needed bass. But correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't he like their main tape loop guy? Like most of his like real influential stuff, to, to contributions to the band was his manipulation of, of tape, yeah. right? Yeah, he did a lot of writing yeah. and he did a undertook most of the recording and engineering for the group. So when I heard that he was, you know, doing solo stuff, I thought, and, and he had uh, actually recording equipment, he got it from an old, yeah, he acquired it from a 1950s radio station, uh, his home studio, and he considered the material captured on a yeah, simple dictaphone recorder every bit as valid as sophisticated studio recordings. So he's using a shortwave radio to capture radio broadcasts and what, quote-unquote, oral tapestries. And then the built uh, studio is just this old vintage 50s radio station. So That's awesome. Yeah, it's like he just realized that he, you know... It, it, he could do everything in his home studio. Probably after looking at Connie Plank and what he had created and thought, oh man, if you can just build a studio in a barn, I mean, why can't I just sit here with a shortwave and, and create my own sounds? And knows how to sing a song. It's me. got into like uh doing more of the uh his kid introduced him to uh revolver um and the blast of like am like uh like radio stuff got him like oh oh this is what you can do with rock and roll like mm-hmm. and that led him more down towards like taking that uh stockhouse and music concrete uh stuff into a, a more pop sensibility and yeah, like you were saying, Kyle, like, you know, over a thousand edits <laughs> on this this thing. And yeah, it, yeah, he he some he somehow built out a uh a, a pop record off of <laughs> off of <laughs> tape tape samples. Fuck, this is hard to do. <laughs> You're absolutely right on that timeline, Rob. Uh I'm looking right now. He he studied music under Stockhausen and uh from 63 to 66 and then he was a music teacher after that uh he had no interest in rock until yeah until he heard the beatles 
Uh, I heard it was Velvet Underground, but maybe I'm wrong on that. <laughs> they were interested in the Velvet Underground. I, I would, I would love if his uh, his little kid, uh, Poppy, would you like <laughs> to listen to the Velvet Undergrounds? <laughs> <laughs> of the of 100 copies sold, Holger's yeah. kid got one of them. <laughs> so, 11 year old wearing leader hosen. <laughs> the banana peels. Oh my. Yeah, it's just a this is a voyage. I mean, you're going on a on an experimental it's like it, it, there's there's many other bands who I feel like have relied on this sort of trick of turning the radio dial and getting a new station and then that's, you know, a new idea for a song. Um Coke dares. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just going to say uh music for uh, Songs for the Deaf by Queens of the Stone Age. I mean, there's it's sort oh, of yeah. a concept that there's a radio station that they're turning the dial and things like that, where this is it has very much that feeling. It has a, a a great concept. And then playing along with the shortwave singing, that blew me away when that Iranian singer comes on and he's just playing guitar, you know, perfectly uh, alongside it um, in weaving in and out of the 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 lyricism the the sort of uh singing it's so great yeah and even on the the first first song like the uh french horn sample that just so happens to like fit perfectly in with you know the stuff that they're like writing over that or like tuning down the tape so it fits in with whatever you're doing like it's crazy man it's fucking crazy it's a it's a professor. It's like a prof- mad professor going in there. He he reminds me of Lee Scratch Perry, this the sort of stuff that he was doing with samples, tape looping, dub, um, and creating different works from previously recorded materials. You know, it's just uh, th- these. Uh, <laughs> I just always imagine someone in the basement just cutting up tape loops and. And creating this music concrete stuff. Would you say Lederhosen Scratch Perry? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. This is a dumb question, but fuck it. I don't care. Um, like at the uh, end of the last track, uh, were you getting any Mr. Bungle vibes? Oh, yeah. Like California I mean, Mr. Yeah. Bungle vibes? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, sure. it's all Mr. Bungle. That and... Um, uh, Fucking yeah. Cornelius. Did you ever listen to much of them? Oh man, it's been a minute. Oh, I, yeah, I forgot yeah, about that man. band. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think he took a uh, took a lot of a lot of tips off of this guy. Um, I thought like it was Trey that got me into Cornelius. It was a that James got out. me into Cor- Cornelius. Yeah, James James Whitehart. Yeah, he came over to your apartment with that uh, uh, that CD. Uh, which you one want to take all like like orange and orange and white cover? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fucking James. Fucking James, man. Can we draw a straight line from Revolution number nine to this album? Uh I think you could more accurately go from uh Stockhausen to Revolution number nine mm. and then yeah. maybe back. Although I, I feel like the Beatles weren't even involved in the, the music concrete with his introduction to music concrete because he's 
he's having Holger studied under Stockhausen. Yeah, yeah. It kind of cuts out the the Beatles link of that chain. Well, hot dog. <laughs> but absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that the Beatles certainly helped to connect the dots between rock and the music concrete. To Element. his own admission, he he wouldn't have been interested in making pop music had he not heard the Beatles using music concrete elements or uh, or yeah, and also making that that's widely available. People are uh, again. I hate to you know I hate to talk about the Beatles, but it made it acceptable. No, you don't. You love talking about the Beatles. Well, you well they liar. made things. They made a lot <laughs> of music that we that were previously maybe not introduced to. You know, I, I wanted to say middle America, but I mean, it's the worldwide. It's just everybody who has a radio station is going to buy their albums. And then whatever weird thing they they introduce the world to, it's like, oh, now that's just kind of the Beatles did it. So why now now it can be more people who want that music will go and seek it out. And so I think he uh, Zuke knew that 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 was an element of it more people are going to be seeking out this music. If I'm making this music, I can, I can keep producing it. Yeah. We can thank George Martin for this. I think (laughs) (laughs) it still, it still blows my mind that the Beatles, you even have to credit the Beatles on the first use of intentional feedback, like something that you'd think that like, Oh yeah, they were responsible for a lot of things, but like, you know, there's plenty of things that like music evolved so much since the Beatles. Like, what about like, Bands like Sonic Youth, like use a noise, like, well, no, actually the Beatles were actually the first band to intentionally use feedback. They just, and they didn't even use it that much. They were just using it to say they did it. And then they moved on to the next thing. It's like they're, they're gobbling up all these firsts. I'm sorry. I said the B word. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is your fault, Kyle. Check out some his other uh, some of his other albums. They're great too. So oh, yeah? I would I would highly yeah I would highly recommend. Um, on the way to the peak of normal, it was fantastic. Um, so I, I haven't listened to everything because he's got about ten more albums. But I I was highly impressed with um, the sort of diversity and it, it it all sounds sort of like can. I mean I mean. No matter how far you stretch, I feel like it all kind of relates. It's all different, but it all relates in some way. But it's great. Man, it all what, goes back to what a, in general. What a horrible problem to have. I know. <laughs> Sounding yeah. like a fucking rad band yeah. in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, man. Persian song. This song is super cool. Yeah. It's great. Um, great. I'm just shocked that it was a single. Like, I don't tuning into this on the radio. 
Man, so it's a single with, z- with with apparently we we uh, zero credit to the vocalist because yeah. he just pulled it off the radio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a wild west, you know. It was the wild west. I tried to find if they ever found out who, you know, where it was pulled from. But I don't think they um I couldn't find any r- reference to um the original singer. Yeah, as as a person who doesn't speak the language, I didn't know if this was just like prayer like stuff that was going on like, you know, over the over the radio and that's where they caught it or if it was like actual like a a singer, you know, like doing the thing. A singer yeah. just trying to make a living, hoping they get their break. Yeah. <laughs> it also I hadn't thought about it until now, but it definitely puts, um, I mean, there's a lot of albums that use samples and things, but it definitely puts something like Moby's play into context of, mm-hmm. of like, you're, you're taking from these, from these other snippets and you're reusing them in a, in a way that was not, not their original intent, um, but create something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, we so- just lost Holger a few years ago. Uh, yeah, did. Uh, fall 2017, we lost Holger. Who else did he work with? Uh, I I read uh, uh, Annie Lennox, I think, at one point. I think um, I think so. Definitely Uncle or U- Uncle U N K. It's like Radiohead with uh, yeah. other folks, right? There's like Tom, it's Tom York and and, and friends. Uh, Brian Eno. He's an uncle. No, no, I'm just naming <laughs> other artists he worked with. Uh, Uncle once included DJ Shadow um, and other a variety of other guests. Um, James Lavelle is in it, um, but Brian Eno, Eurythmics, Trio, da da da, Jaw Wobble, yeah, and Trio, Trio would make sense, right? They're German. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I haven't listened to much of their catalog outside of the song I know from the Volkswagen commercial. Uh, but Kyle, I think that Claire's into Trio. She might have some. She might have some trio info. Yeah, but your favorite band, you know, Public Image Limited with a Jaw Wobble, as a and Jaw Wobble's bigger than Pill. I know. is my opinion <laughs> on that. It's got bigger pills to swallow. Jaw Jaw Wobble was <laughs> Jaw Wobble was slumming in Public Image Limited. Is my is my hot take on that. All right. All right. <laughs> I'll I'll continue to give you Sex Pistols hot takes every time you give me an opportunity. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it it seems like he was uh he was kind of a figure. He he kind of reminds me of a Brian Eno character, the German Brian Eno, where he's doing this yeah this uh experimental music and and sort of uh creating ambient soundscapes and and things like that, injecting weirdness. This is really, really fucking cool and interesting music that I'm very happy yeah. the book delivered, man. Like mm-hmm. I, I would have never, I would have never known about this dude had this book not thrown me at this. And it's fucking cool. It's it is really, I really enjoyed cool. Thoroughly. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially the long songs. Like I said, it was, but I just I got pulled in. It's just I love I love this stuff. He's good at that thing that he does. It feels of pulling you into long songs and keeping it interesting. Yeah. Someone, someone mentioned this is 
like what Spike Jones and his city slickers might have done if uh, they were <laughs> in Germany <laughs> during this time. It's or Doctor Demento if he was a bit more serious. You know, it just has that element. Like what? He looks like Doctor. <laughs> <Demento. laughs> looks like Doctor Demento. <laughs> Um, That's the first thing I, th- I thought when I saw that video for Too Cool in the Pool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's great to see a a mad genius at work in this, uh, in this sort of context. Is everybody on the positive? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I like totally. this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It, it took me a minute. I was like, should I? I, I couldn't decide because the first song I'm just not not so into i mean it has its moments but i know it's just embrace the whimsy bro it just <laughs> embrace the whimsy yeah i'm coming around on it the video helps let me tell you that <laughs> that video is fantastic i need to sign off so i can watch this video <laughs> <laughs> all right next time we'll be talking about the police regatta de Blanc. talk to you soon mm-hmm. Got a lot to tell. I think so. yeah click play right now